0: Okay, shalom. I did not know I only get 60 minutes to record. So, finishing up part two here. That means I get more time. Another hour. Yay. Another blessing. Okay, anyway, I promise I won't go. Okay, I'm not going to promise. Okay, Um. <clears throat> so I was on page 262 of the Midrash Get You Some. Talking about loving your neighbors you love yourself from Parsha uh, Kedoshin so it says we then see that the mitzvah of loving every jew is indeed the most basic of all the mitzvot involving a man and his fellow because as a result of observing it properly we will fulfill most other torah commandments to which i was saying when you love your neighbors you love yourself that's between you and your fellow but then when you do that that causes you to fulfill most other Torah commandments, which would be the relationship between yourself and Hashem, to which the footnote drops down and says, How does the principle of love your neighbor include the mitzvot between man and Hashem? It seems to cover only a wide range of mitzvot concerning man and his fellow man. Well, Sefer Yom Shel Talmud, the Sea of Talmud, explains that the Jew who truly loves his fellow man will not commit a sin against Hashem either he will realize that each of his sins even a private sin affects not only him personally but harms the entire Kalal Yisrael because all Jewish souls are bound up with each other because the, uh, the body is Mashiach so, yeah. Then it says the maxim of loving your neighbor will therefore restrain him from even sinning against Hashem. Well, Hashem. So I'm gonna play Captain Israel now, before I run out of time. Can't believe that. Just cut me off in the middle of my drush. It's gonna be kind of awkward. Gonna be listening to a drush and be like, really? Am I running out of time? Click like someone hanging up the phone queuing up the drawsh right now I have some things that I want to share with y'all <clears throat> uh, after this so the reason I said this because I just came across some of that information I'm like oh my goodness alright This is from Captain Yisrael's Drosh back in 2016 on Pasha Kedoshim. And uh, we going to listen to this right here. Because he just went crazy. I don't know what was wrong with him that day. And uh, he's only gotten crazier. So obviously he didn't get help. Which he needs to. All right pull this over here alright here we go ready go
1: the rabbis write and say that when God created man that he he took earth Adama from all over the globe and brought it to the temple mount
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's me laughing because that's ridiculous
1: there he took soil from all the nations and said I want to make my man out of all the nations at the temple that's where he's going to be born the first Adam was born and all the world sinned through the first Adam when he ate the forbidden fruit and he brought death and I said I got to bring the second Adam who's going to be born again at the temple mount Where I brought forth the first Adam, I'm going to resurrect the second Adam. Mm. But what does this teaches us? It teaches that every soil from all over the nations has a role to play. God wanted that first man to be made up of all the nations this is why it says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you alone are God everyone from every tribe and tongue will be in your covenant God says that was my original plan and it's my final plan and I'm going to make it happen through the resurrected second Adam
0: Yep, told you you needed to get some help so only thing I wanted to add to that is if you could add anything else to that but I'm going to try so it says Ephesians two, thirteen through nineteen. Cause you know, the second Adam, like the first Adam, all the nations, right? The one new man principle, that's what I'm talking about. The one new man, the second Adam, who is the new man <clears throat> through Mashiach, basically. But now you starting at verse thirteen in Ephesians two, another Paul said, I know, but now you who were once far off have been brought near through the shedding of mashiach's blood if i didn't say it enough in part one of this Josh, the shedding of the blood of the zodic affects atonement and when you have been atoned for you're now made pure again made like new like nothing ever happened but obviously you feel the price that was paid because you know what it took for that atonement namely the shedding of mashiach's blood so it's just like do i really want to to like go back to that and and have that be the condition that needs to happen because if you do um then you did not receive atonement because there is no atonement no sacrifice for a uh, repetitive sin but anyway i digress it says verse 14 for he himself is our shalom how do we get shalom it's mashiach that's what shalom is so You're greeting people in the name of Hashem when you say Shalom, which is Mashiach. Mashiach is the name of Hashem. So, alright, cool. Got that. Um, Because, you know, salvation is Hashem's. You know, that that whole verse. It says, He has made us both one and has broken down the makita which divided us. Because we became the smoke from Yom Kippur. Sleka. the Makita in, in Jewish life is a separation wall that divides the genders during a wedding ceremony because you know man don't dance with women not even the husband dances with his wife like that's crazy because most weddings that are not Jewish are like yeah a couple first dance like this is great they don't do that at Jewish weddings so anyway um, so this little wall was torn down it was this separation thing so the separation basically is that which was because i'm gonna i'm gonna reverse verse 15 because verse 15 says by destroying in his own body the enmity which is the hatred occasioned by the torah how do you cause the torah to hate right like this is weird what does god hate sin oh okay okay now we're tracking So, causing or destroying in his own body the hatred occasioned by the Torah. He didn't say causing the destruction to the Torah in his own body. He just says the hatred. It's important to know that. Then it says, with its commands set forth in the form of ordinances. He did this in order to create in union with himself from the two groups a single new humanity and thus make shalom ok so it's like you have Jews and then you have those who are not Jews those are the two groups and it's just like through Mashiach's shedding of his blood and his sacrifice he broke down that wall because we're, we're making the new man here again we're bringing all the nations together you think about why was Israel sent into exile, it says in the Talmud that they were sent into the exile for the sake of converts go back to my drosh on uh, Tatriya Metzora. yeah, I know of all places, right but in that drosh, I bring down that source um I'm just trying to cover myself here, I just so out of sorts, or out of sources or out of sort, yeah, you get it shouldn't get it, but you did. I know but anyway, um, so the whole new man concept, I mean that's the second item the, the nations, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess so that's um, that's my rabbi that's my rebi represent um, so here's the other thing I wanted to drop some Pearl K de Rebi Eliezer cause you know if you think about how the first man was formed how much more amazing the second man right like it's gonna be turned up so check this out so it says hmm, here we go creation of man this is chapter 11 page 32 Pierre k de revie eliezer immediately after creating all living beings for the benefit of man god said to the torah there's hashem talking to himself again because in the beginning was the word the word was god the word was with god right john one it's basic simple stuff so i know it's not simple am sorry okay it's amazing stuff okay he says bear 126 let us make man in our image after our likeness so replies the torah master of the universe the world belongs to you the man you want to create has a short lifespan he's sated with anxiety and will fall into sin if you are not slow to anger with him it would be better for him to not have been created Retorted Hakadosh Baruku, do you think I am slow to anger and abundant of kindness for nothing? God gathered red, black, white, and yellow dust. The red was for Adam's blood, the black was for his innards, the white was for his bones and sinews, and the yellow was for his body. Why did he gather dust from the four corners of the earth? Hakadosh Baruku said, If a person travels from east to west and dies along the way, the earth of that place will not be able to say, The dust of your body is not from here. I will not accept you. Go back to the place from where you were created. No matter where a person dies, the dust of his body came from there. and and this is the place where he returns the dust of that place accepts him as it says your dust and to dust you will return Beresheet 319 yeah so the fires that were used to create man remind me of the fires of the menorah which we know is Mashiach because the menorah is called the light of the world and Mashiach said I am the light of the world but then he also said you're the light of the world well, that's because he's the vine and we're the branches. And the menorah has like a single stalk in the middle with branches. So all of us together, because remember, the body of many members is Mashiach. So he's the menorah, but we're the menorah. Just like Parsha Tataria of Medzorah. Go back to that drosh again for what I'm about to say. The two birds for the sacrifice of the leper. The one that gets to go free is called the Yona or the Tur, which is a dove. And that dove is the Jewish people. And that dove is also Mashiach. So we're connected. You know, kind of thing. So now, just a few little bombs to drop. First off, I want to go to the Yom Kippur Magzor. So here's the thing. This is supposed to be Akare Moat and Kedoshim. But there's just so much on Akare Moat that I'm just, my heart just just there. So. Akari Mote get you some. Here we go. Benny B. On the Secret of the Scarlet Thread. His commentary on Parsha Akari Mote. Is talking about the death of the ten martyrs. So there were ten like super legit lofty incredible um, sages during the time of the second temple that were uh, martyred let me read that introduction from there cause you gotta hear this this is just this is crazy cause we know Mashiach existed during the, the time of the second temple right if you didn't, now you do that's how we know the Shekinah was also a part of the second temple because was in it, okay. But anyway, um, so picking up here, the Ten Martyrs. Um, pulling up the Benny B article. I gotta go to the. Section of the Ten Martyrs. Give this a proper introduction. Okay. And the Makzur for Yom Kippur, as encapsulated in the Piyut Ele Eskara, which is these I will remember, and on Tishba'av in the Arzay Lebanon, the Cedars of Lebanon. we read the story of the ten slain by the government it speaks in detail regarding the death of ten martyrs at the hands of the Romans in words hauntingly reminiscent of Yeshua's sufferings in the gospels and yes I do have a Yom Kippur and yes it is in there it's a part of the Musaf service and wow okay So it says these 10 martyrs died at the hands of the Romans, just like Mashiach died at the hands of the Romans. Not the Jews died at the hands of all of humanity. We all were the cause for his sin or the cause for his death. Our sin was the cause for his death. Okay. Clear that up. It's a lot of craziness. Okay. Although their deaths did not take place at the same time, of Yeshua's suffering in the Gospels the section of the prayer book seemingly combines all the events into one so it says after the destruction of the temple the impudent of the generation said what loss have we suffered after all we still have scholars among us who teach us his Torah and Mitzvot the person who said that is called an impudent. so the whole thing about well we got Mashiach so what do we need a temple for like a third temple or what do we need a Torah for remove yourself from that category and exit stage left and come over here to stage right at the right hand of the Father and get you some that's what needs to happen okay at once God put the idea okay as soon as this state as soon as this phrase was uttered yeah, the temple's destroyed, so whatever. Hashem's like, oh, okay, really? All right, I got y'all. At once, Hashem put the idea in the heart of the Roman emperor to study the Torah. Now, when you got a goy studying the Torah, you better have your ducks in a row. Because if not, it's going to be pretty bad. Okay, so he starts to study the Torah... And it's with wise men and elders. Okay, so he's got triple backup. That's extra not good. (laughs) Because now you have a person who's just completely like clean slate as far as Torah goes. I mean, just coming into this, no preconceived notions of this Torah thing. But then he's also got Rebbies and Sages and Elders. Like people who know what they know. Like cheat codes. Right, so it says that um, he began with sheet and continued until they came to the phrase a man who kidnaps another and sells him into slavery is found and is found with the victim that man shall surely die Shemot 2116 so on a side note he read a whole part a whole Sefer Torah and then got all the way to chapter 21 all the way to chapter 21 which I'm pretty sure is Parsha Mishpatim which is where Memtat shows up so he got all the way to that in Ivrit and brings this up this is not good <laughs> says upon reading this he commanded that his palace be filled with shoes he then called for ten sages of Israel to be brought before him and seated them on golden chairs. Okay, this sounds familiar. But what ceremony takes a chair and some shoes, tying it around the ankle of a person? It's the law of the Levirate right marriage. Okay, you gotta if your brother dies, his wife is childless. You are to take the wife of your your deceased brother and you are to uh accept her in marriage if not you have a chalitza ceremony where you say no i don't want to marry her i i deny my brother's existence and i will not have progeny to perpetuate his name this is pretty bad so that's what's about to happen right here so all these shoes and golden chairs Okay, so he's taking it up to the highest level. He says, so he seated these 10 sages of Israel before him on these chairs. And he says, what is the law regarding a man who kidnaps his brother and sells him into slavery? They have no clue what's going on. There's straight up Torah, like, here we go. They reply, the Torah states that such a man must be put to death. If so, continues the emperor, you are all obligated to die. Okay, that escalated quickly. What did we do? We just showed up and sat on some chairs with a bunch of shoes. So, without freaking out, maybe they did, but this this says, why, they asked. So, the response to that... Is for the sale of Yosef who was sold by his brothers. Really? Gonna bring that up, huh? It's interesting because this whole thing about original sin, the more you say it doesn't exist, the more it does exist. Because now we're up to three specific things we're up to the eating from the forbidden fruit, the golden calf, and now the sale of Yosef. I mean, come on, man. So he says, because you sold Joseph. Had the brothers been present, I would have judged them, but uh, as they are no longer alive, you shall bear the sins of your forefathers. Now here's the deal. When Mashiach was sold and the people said crucify him, there's this phrase uh, May his blood be upon us and our children sound familiar Matthew 27 25 thank you Hashem for sources all the people answered and his blood is on us and our children okay so destruction of the temple comes around and these 10 sages of Israel are on trial and they're suffering for the blood that should be upon the forefathers But they're also going to be on the children. Just like we discover when Israel says, yeah, take Yeshua away from us. We deny he exists. He's not the Mashiach. Get him out of here. He's a heretic. Well, here's the consequences. Oh, my goodness. That's just a lot. Like, man, okay. Just giving that enough time to saturate. Alright, so then it says The rabbis asked for three days In which to seek a defense Okay, the whole three day period A whole other drosh You probably already know that drosh So that's cool So then it says um, They prevailed upon Rabbi Ishmael The Kohen Gadol To recite the divine name And ascend to Hashemite Okay, are you kidding me? Saying the divine Wow, okay and ascend to Hashemim to see if such a decree against them had been sealed by the Almighty Rabbi Ishmael accepted the mission, reported back that the decree was indeed heaven ordained in the end. The sages were publicly executed by the Romans. that's from the Ele Kara, which again is called the these I will Re- I shall remember. Cited in the Ten Martyrs. Which is uh, a work here. A literature, a piece of literature. So the whole story about the Ten m- Martyrs. Happens on Yom Kippur and the day that the temple is destroyed. There are no coincidences. Those are days that bring forth atonement. Because the death of the righteous. Affect atonement for Israel. If you just... Akare Mote, I mean, that's what that means, pretty much, so, now, let's see here, what this is, um, yeah, we're not gonna go into that, alright, so anyway, that's the setup for this, and the Yom Kippur Magzor, in the Sephardi version, because I have the Ashkenazi version, and this, right here, is not in the Ashkenazi version. And if it is, I need to find it immediately. But Benny B says this. He says, "Um, We must ask, why did Hashem choose the ten martyrs to atone for the sale of Yosef? Well, because there are ten brothers. Mita, Kanegit, Mita, right? You would think. So that's interesting. But he wants to go into something deeper, which is amazing. He says, why did he choose the ten martyrs to atone for the sale of Yosef during the second temple period what about this time frame was significant to the exact punishment for the selling of Yosef something happened during the second temple era that reminded Hashem of selling Yosef are you putting the clues together Mashiach bin Yosef was sold by Yisrael by the brothers okay there you go there existed in the Second Temple error. I don't know what's going on in here. It's crazy. There existed in the Second Temple error sinat kinom, which is baseless hatred, which rose to the level of the cell of Yosef. So the cell of Yosef is on a pretty high level is what I'm gathering. So then it says that there exists, <clears throat> so when it got to that level, when one speaks of Yosef, it is ultimately referring to Mashiach ben Yosef. Perhaps there is an eleventh martyr, more exalted and hidden and concealed than the rest. If you study the number eleven and the Jewish numbers understanding, it talks about how there is uh, one who is concealed beyond creation. And that person was Asaph. At least that's how he thought of himself. Which, again, let's go back to Mashiach, is covered in Asaph. So it's like, Asaph, I know what you're doing, but it's actually Mashiach, it's not you. So he's the 11th. Okay, so that's what Ben B is alluding to here. He says, more exalted and hidden and concealed than the rest, who also submitted his life to the Kalipa, the the demonic forces, the evilness of Rome, in order to elevate the fallen sparks and redeem all Yisrael. Okay, so that's the introduction. So he says, so if you look in the Makhzor for Yom Kippur, there's a prayer that can be found in the Hebrew of the art scroll new sephard makhzor for yom kippur on page 860 second paragraph seventh line from the top it is as follows mashiach zidkenu is departed from us horror has seized us and we have none to justify us he has borne the yoke of our iniquities and our transgression, and is wounded because of our transgression. He bears our sins in on his shoulder, that he find that he may find pardon for our iniquities. We shall be healed by his wound at that time. The eternal will create him the Messiah as a new creature. O oh, bring him up from the circle of the earth raise him up from Mount Seir to assemble us the second time on Mount Lebanon by the hand of ye yeah that's that's in a Sephardi Moxor that's just <sighs> wow our righteous anointed Mashiach Zikenu, Mashiach our righteousness. This is Benny B again. He's commenting on that. How can you comment on that? Like, what do you even say? It's just uh, sit here and rock in the corner and just be like rethinking my life. What just happened? <laughs> uh, our righteous anointed Mashiach Zikenu, Mashiach our righteousness, which is a quote from Yeremiyahu 23, He has borne the yoke of our iniquities. See the commentary on Yeshiyahu fifty three. He bears our sins on his shoulder, and a stunning statement: Messiah's shoulders bear the sins of Yisrael like a man who carries his cross. Bereshit Rabbah twenty five. Actually, it's crucifixion stake, but the English they use cross. So, whatever semantics, the Eternal will create him, the Messiah, as a new creature through resurrection oh bring him up from the circle of the earth resurrect him from the grave raise him up from Seir, rescue him from Christianity Seir and Rome, Edom those are all related which is Christianity so it says raise him up from there rescue him from Christianity from the gates of Rome to redeem us assemble us the second time on Mount Lebanon, bring us back to the Temple Mount, Lebanon is the name for the Temple Mount so, Captain Israel just dropped that in the Drosh. That's where Second Adam is recreated. Okay. The resurrection of Mashiach, which namely is Mashiach ben David. And it says, Bring us again to the land, to the Temple Mount, by the hand of ye known. Ye known is a name of the Messiah before creation. Its letters Yod Noon, Vav Noon allude to the name of messiah in the time to come yod hey vav hey that's why Mashiach's name is higher than any other name so there's a name given to Mashiach that's higher than any other name that's the name Ye known which is ultimately yod hey vav hey it's crazy okay um what do we got here man, it's crazy, it's crazy what's going on, Uh, let's go to G Shekel, I'm like skipping, glossing over all this stuff that I just want to share, but it's like, man, it's been 30 minutes, might as well just let loose and just lean to the to the left or to the right however do we do at the Seder table Seder just happened I, I, should, I should know this lean to the so I was sitting at the table I was leaning to the left yeah lean to the left drink your glass okay so Akare Mot from G Shekel he says as Yom Kippur is associated with a high priest unifying ferret with Malkut by gaining the advantage on Hasatan via the scapegoats into him which is Azazel so in order for this union to happen for the upper and the lower worlds to unite you have to get rid of that that uh disruption which is sin death Hasatan gotta get rid of that and it takes a goat the Azazel So it says in Kabbalistic writings, Pesach is seen as the time of defeat of the demonic realm, as well as the unification of Teferit and Malkut. But wait, I thought we were talking about Yom Kippur. Well, author David Ariel writes, and the days of awe and Sukkot are part of the process of the unification. Pesach is a thergic drama of vanquishing evil and demonic forces. This is why uh the verse about Mashiach being publicly sacrificed, disarming the uh powers. Let's see here uh, There we go, Colossians two fifteen wow I love this suit it just fine stuff for me it's awesome okay and having disarmed the powers and authorities he made a public spectacle of them triumphing triumphing over them by his crucifixion stake okay so unification of Teferit and Malkut. you just learned some Kabbalah there you go Colossians 2.15 who knew that Shaul was a Kabbalist well he had to be if his writings were very difficult but anyway, it um, says Jewish mystics invested the holiday with special significance. Are we talking about Pesach? Are we talking about Yom Kippur? Obviously, the answer is yes. says for them, it symbolized a victory over demonic forces that prevail in the world as a result of the separation of Malkut and Teferit. So as long as Malkut and Teferit are separated there is um the demonic forces prevailing in the world, which we see today for sure. But the more it's happening as far as being revealed, the more that connection and unification of Teferad and Malkut is actually happening. Because down is up, you know, so the more darkness you're seeing, that means you're getting closer to sunrise. I'm just saying. But anyway, Uh, The many rituals of Pesach are linked to symbolism of redemption from evil. The Pesach lamb was slaughtered in ancient times and eaten on the holiday. A vestige of this practice was uh, abandoned after the destruction of the second temple. It can be found in the roasted shank bone that is placed on the special plate at the seder table. The Jewish mystics describe this as a ritual that destroys the powers of evil notice we don't eat the lamb shank bone but, but because it's roasted and because it's on our plate it's considered as if we've eaten the Pesach lamb and therefore evil has been destroyed so you're looking at the sacrifice of Mashiach again wow can we stomach any more of this like this is just too much to throw down okay Then it says, Jewish mystics describe this as a thurgic ritual that destroys the powers of evil. Okay, that's the shank bone. The slaughter of the lamb is the first ritual performed on the holiday and indicates that the husks, like the coverings, the shells, the cleepoak, must be destroyed in order for the sephirot to escape from their dominion. So it's like, break them out of the jail cell. That's how I love how the Incredible Talmud broke down. The Kleepote is like a jail cell. So the Kleepote, you know, they capture whatever they want to capture and lock it up. So it's like, okay, so we need Teferit and Malkut to be together. And the Kleepote are like, I get, I'll go get Malkut, you go get Teferit, go. And they keep them separate and lock them up. So how do you break open those jail cells? The Pesach clam. You slaughter it and you eat it. Okay, so the Seder is a thergic ritual designated to reunite the Shekinah with Teferit. And you think about that with the Song of Ascents, with the Hallel, with the 15 orders of the Seder, with the 15 steps into the Holy of Holies. So it's almost like we are Malkuts or we become... To ferret, and we go up to the Shekinah. Whoa. And so we make that union by entering into that process which destroys evil. Breaks the Klippot. So this is why we were free. This is why we are atoned. This is why Besok and Yom Kippur seem to happen at the same time. Because we enter into this process of vanquishing evil. So then he says... Yom Kippur coincides with the giving of the second tablets. We can explain the connection between the two by noting that the teshuva of Yom Kippur surpasses even higher teshuva, since it follows the lower teshuva and the month of Elul. <clears throat> G. Shuckles, crazy man, this guy. And then it says, And the days of Shlikot. Shlikot, like the uh, penitential prayers. And also, the higher repentance of Rosh Hashanah. So you have a lower, and then you have a higher, and then you have a higher and higher. So you're going Alul, Shlikot, Rosh Hashanah, to Yom Kippur. And a progression. Okay? And then you have the ten days of Teshuvah. Oh, another step. Okay. Alul, Shlikot Rosh Hashanah, 10 days Yom Kippur that's a lot of teshuva that's teshuva on teshuva oh wait that's what caused the waters to part for the Yom Suf so the children of Israel could leave Egypt and go into the wilderness so then it says higher teshuva as often explained is cleaving to the soul is the cleaving of the soul To its divine source, not teshuva for sin. Okay, it's it's not about like I need to turn for my sin and all that. It's like beyond that, like le'ela, le'ela, beyond. Min kubikata veshirata tushbikata ve'kenat ve'nechemata damiran ve'amah v'imru amen. Like le'ela ba'moshav. That's all. So this teshuva from yom kippur it's just like we're so past our sin like it's ridiculous like you just go through the magzor and by the time i mean you're just you become matzah again like for real beat yourself down like get rid of all that Ugh, reconcile reconcile you know confess your sins beat your chest prayer fasting i mean it's just incredible so now we've made another connection This is crazy Malkut and Teferit That's crazy So anyway this higher teshuva Is about the soul Cleaving to its divine force It corresponds to the verse The spirit will return To Hashem who gave it It stems from the essence Of the soul Which is called the Yakida, which is our highest level of soul Which is Unity to unify you that's the phrase unity to unify you that's what Yehida means then it says this is the link between Yom Kippur and the second tablets for the Torah joins God and Yisrael so that they are entirely one listen if you do mitzvot you are one with Hashem wow and then it says This is expressed in the phrase The one people to, affir- to affirm your oneness Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Oh my goodness He, just, he was just Zohar And a bunch of stuff on that That's Zohar snippets And when I do When I read G Shuckle's commentary on the Parashah, I really like to just go straight to his notes And um, see kind of where he got everything from. Because he streams it all together so beautifully. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Let's see. Yoma 67A. The goat to Azazel is sent into the wilderness. And if it returned, it was deemed a bad omen. Uh, Yeah. Just a little bit, right? (laughs) So... That's kind of like an awkward moment. It's like, hey, I thought we got rid of you. No, 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 I came back. I brought some friends with me. Because, you know, you didn't put a strong man in the house. So, you kicked me out. And now I'm going to come back with more vengeance. Okay, maybe that's not the case. But it kind of like, you know. That's something Mashiach taught. About how, you know, you got to... When you uh, get cleansed and purified of the demonicness going on. in the possession of your house like yourself being the house when you kick that out that spirit goes out to the wilderness and roams and it'll if you don't set up a strong man in the house that'll come back and it'll be seven times worse this is why we have to make sure when we truly make teshuva and we convert and start following torah and walk with yeshua and be one with hashem because that's what that means um we have to make sure that we don't go back to our old ways because it'll be worse than before this is the whole reason why people leave the derrick and they become worse than non-believers they become nothing and it's just kind of like ooh I've seen it a lot, that's the only reason I comment on that I'm not trying to throw dirt on purpose but just illustrating the point here but let me get back to Yoma 67A Talmud Babli, Babylonian Talmud so eventually they took the goat to the wilderness and kicked it off a cliff. He divided the thread of the crimson wool and tied one half to the rock, the other half between its horns and pushed it from behind. And it went rolling down before it had or and before it had reached halfway down the hill, it was dashed pieces. Okay. So we got a a hanging and a cliff stoning. But we got the four death punishments right there. That's Ooh. Yama 67A. So that does not sound G rated. All right. Can we talk about Kedoshim I just kind of feel like can we talk about Katorshin? Yes, we can talk about Kedroshim. Let's go into. um, Don't be like other nations. See, do we got a drop for that? Oh, this is cool. Hasidic Insights. Other less radical forms of atonement In the absence of the tabernacle or temple and its rites the methods of atonement designated specifically for temple or sacrifice related transgressions become inapplicable The mechanisms of atonement for transgressing commandments that remain relevant in non-temple times are as follows Neglecting to perform an active commandment Teshuva suffices; no further atonement is required. So, if you don't do something that you're supposed to do, then you need to make teshuva, and that brings forth the uh, the effect of the offering that you would bring. Uh, the exceptions to this are two active commandments: the Pesach and circumcision. Whoever Whoever neglects these Incurs the punishment of excision Which is being cut off <clears throat> uh, I switched something else that's, that's kind of intense That's not Ketoshim either <laughs> So Ketoshim Look at that okay. You must be careful to respect your mother As much as you do your father This is 19.3 Hasidic Insights Um You must be careful to respect your mother as much as you do your father, and to honor your father as much as you do your mother. What comes naturally to us, and be it good or bad, is limited by our nature. By demanding that we go beyond our nature, the Torah frees us of our natural limitations, enabling us to partake of God's unity by revealing our transcendental essence. What does that mean? You know, we're more careful to respect our fathers than we are our mothers. We're more likely to love our mothers more than we love our fathers. But the Torah is like, I need you to do vice versa. And it's just like, because the Torah has commanded us to do that, that means that we can do that, even though naturally we don't. So Hashem empowers us to do what is beyond our nature. That's how you go beyond the letter of the law beyond the letter of the law is the spirit of the law which means in order for you to do this you have to be filled with the spirit which is hashem which is the torah so yeah so there's that oh idols can't be can't be having those why don't we talk about that okay um 194. you must not turn to idols this verse is the basis for the law that forbids gazing at idols or studying idolatrous rights, even if we do not intend to practice idolatry. This prohibition is intended both to distance us from any temptation to engage in idolatrous practice and to keep us from any sensual or intellectual contact with idolatry itself. For such contact renders us spiritually defiled, i.e. somewhat numbed to holiness. That's the danger of doing anything outside of what Hashem has given us for festivals and holidays. We really need to know what we're allowing ourselves to be in contact with because it will numb you, it will defile you. If you are an Xmas celebrator with the tree and the presence and the birthday of the Messiah, um, that's a problem. Because none of that has to do with the birth of Messiah. And none of that is what Hashem commanded us. He didn't say, hey, bring in a tree from the forest, set it up, and deck it with silver and gold, and sing a bunch of songs, and bow to it to get your presence. Like, he did not command that. Like, what is this? And if you go study it, it'll lead you down a further path of darkness and spiritual just ugh. And the same thing goes with Schmeester. That's its polar opposite, literally. Like, because Xmas happens in the winter, Smeester happens in the fall. That whole thing. So, anyway, just side note on that. Uh, An exception to this rule is studying idolatry in the context of studying the Torah. So the only way you can study idolatry is to study the Torah. That's why you can find all of these pagan holidays. Yes, I did say pagan because they're idolatrous. They don't line up with Torah. Sorry, I didn't say it. It's I mean, check it out. Find in the Torah where it says in the 12th month on the 25th day, Celebrate the birth of my son. That's the challenge. I'll take you up on it if you want to do it. But anyway, um, yeah. So an exception to this rule, studying it in the context of studying the Torah, in order to properly avoid transgression of idol worship, we must perforce, perforce, we must perforce familiarize ourselves with exactly which types, aspects, and forms of idolatry the Torah forbids. Indeed, Tractate Zera, which is one of the longer tractates of the Talmud, I wonder why, because there's so much idolatry. This tractate is devoted, among other things, to the rites of various ancient forms of idol worship. So I'm pretty sure you'll find Saturnalia, and the solstices and all that and Tractate of Odazera now some of those names I just mentioned are pseudo names for Xmas and Schmeester so just saying why am I harping on that so with these last seven minutes again I want to just share my heart on this so I'm going to close up all my books and just say, I came from Christianity. I was led into Torah by the Messiah, by his spirit. And the only way I would remain in Torah is with the Messiah and with his spirit. So may Hashem help me. But there are a lot of people who are not willing to make that journey and that transition because you lose your family, you lose your job if you work at a church. Um and you lose friends who you thought you were really close with and you even lose uh ministries that you worked so hard to put together i had uh amazing concerts that i used to do i call them amazing because they truly were people were absolutely blessed by them and i'm talking about the artists as well as the people who attended but um I dance crews and rappers and spoken word poets, just knock your socks off, amazing talent. Uh, I don't get to hang out with those people anymore. I don't get to be a part of their music video shoots. And I don't have the dance crew that I once danced with. And we were just such a good group. And I mean, the job I got to work at, the church I worked at, was beautiful and amazing. But the problem is, when it came to Torah at all, did not line up because Xmas is the prevalent ceremony the prevalent food is ham there's no kashrut there is no festivals that are written in the Torah there is a complete disregard of the first half of the book it's like yeah yeah you can read it but don't worry about doing it or learning it or anything it's Hebrews dead and all that kind of stuff and so to go against all that is a challenge and it was a challenge and I definitely feel like I died. I definitely feel like I got spiritually circumcised because it really, really hurt. And um, the cool thing is, is that what you've lost, you gain beyond your wildest dreams. Um, the level of amuna I have now, the amount of things I get to experience in the Torah are just so, so beautiful. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I mean, if I could go back to before I made this choice, before I came to Sar Shalom, before I became a lapide, I wouldn't. I just wouldn't. Like, kosher food is amazing. Arab Shabbat is amazing. The Avengers are just, don't even get me started. Uh, the fact that I get to be one, don't even get me more started. You know, the fact that I get to do these droshes, just forget it. Like, insane so I gladly walk this path of righteousness with uh, the grief in my heart of not fitting in and just about everywhere I go and uh, seeing a Jew is like once in a blue moon unless you go to the kosher market and even if you go to the kosher market if they're not a lapid Jew they will frown upon you or they may be nice but you're not widely accepted with open arms and like oh my gosh I'm so excited But there are some people who are beginning to wake up, which is cool. I have a couple of guys at the Kosher Deli that I get to have really good conversations with. So I'm thankful to Hashem for that. But furthermore, I mean, this is all about bringing in Mashiach. Like, gathering the holy sparks. So if you're stuck in Christianity and you don't think that there's something else out there that keeps you connected with Mashiach and takes you to a higher level, there is. It's called the peed. And it's called get you some. So I hope that you will uh, seek Hashem in these words that I'm sharing with you. And uh, I hope that you're blessed by this whole drosh. So as the Rebbe says, what do we know? What do we know? Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher, Natan, Lanu, Torah, Temed, V'kaye olam nata betokeinu, baruch no Adonai, Amen. Blessings over the rest of your week, as we say Shavua Tov, may you have a blessed Arab Shabbat, and a blessed Shabbat, Amen. Shalom.